I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a weekly pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore, even though the uh, light rail's about to go by. By, whatever, I can't talk. Anyway, I watched The Batman like so many other people. Um, I actually watched it in theaters, so I'm going to talk about it. But first, okay, happy Women's History Month. Um, yeah, last week got pretty raw, didn't it? <laughs> um, last episode, I, I take nothing back, but uh, thank you for indulging me. I was, y'all, when I tell you this fertility journey ain't no joke, like when I tell you I accidentally gave myself OHSS, Google it. Um, Long story short, I took too much of a medication and put myself into OHSS. That's probably the better term for it, Um, which is already a risk when you are preparing to um, uh, go through egg retrieval for the fertility process. It's already a risk. And I'm living with a health condition that made it even more of a risk. And then here I go. Instead of reading my doctor's very specific or their nurse's very specific written or or typed out instructions, I read the instructions on the daggone bottle. And so I didn't take a an amount that would like put me in the hospital, but I definitely took an amount that would make me sick. Um, And that's what happened. And so for a full week in like two days, I have felt bloated and miserable. Um, I gained a lot of excess fluid and so water weight, um, swelling in my hands and, and ankles and kneecaps. I didn't think your kneecaps, like the back of your kneecaps could swell, but they were, have been um, just miserable. Um, but like everything is working out. Everything is working out as it should. And I'm keeping my paces. It's still, it's still on a hope and a prayer. You know what I mean? It's because the, you know how fertility, well, maybe you don't know how fertility works, but fertility. So what what do they call it? Assisted reproductive treatment is not a guarantee that a couple can conceive a child. It's just really great and expensive help to see if it's possible. It's still so many, there are still so many variables in the equation that still need to be met in order for you to have a child. Like, you know, even through, you know, in vitro fertilization, the quality of eggs have to be tip top. And even then they have to be able to implant. And even then you can't deal with any major the mother can't deal with any major complications through and, and, you know, be able to take the baby to term. So like, there's just so many variables in the equation. I'm trying not to freak out because what I've learned about myself is as I've gotten older, I am, I used to think I was a realist. I just, I think I've just turned into a pessimist that tries really hard to be an optimist. Um, and in this case, I find myself hedging my bet so that I don't feel so disappointed if what 
if what my heart desires doesn't happen. And that's extremely, extremely pessimistic. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend you living your life like that because what kind of life is that? To always expect the worst so that you'll never, you're never, um, well, especially in situations where you really want a thing, expecting the worst so you're never disappointed. That's a whack way to live. Um, so anyway, you people who are 18, and again, I don't know why y'all would be listening to me, but if you are 18, please don't live your life like that. If you are 20, shoot, if you're 30 or 40, you already know, don't, don't live. If you don't know, I'm telling you, don't live your life like that. So anyway, um, I'm in good spirits today, today, the day I'm recording this, I'm in great spirits. I'm still, I still have some water weight just sloshing around like, I won't gross you out by like putting the microphone to my tummy. Um, but you can hear the slosh a little bit. It's gross. Um, but other than that, I'm losing the water weight. Y'all, I gained seven pounds. I gained seven pounds in like two weeks. Well, maybe not quite two weeks, but like seven pounds in that short order. And you do gain weight a little bit, but like too much weight is a bad thing. Uh, Well, maybe I didn't gain seven pounds. They would put me in the hospital off that, but you get what I'm saying. I gained weight. And so they're checking my weight to make sure that each day I'm, or they want me to check it. And then obviously they weigh me all the time, which I hate scales, but anyway, who doesn't? Um, anyway, um, I'm losing the weight. I'm not losing it as quick enough or as quickly as I want to. Like I want to wake up tomorrow and like all of it be gone. Um, and it, for it to not feel comfortable with spandex on my belly, um, or at least a part of where my abdomen is anyway. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm getting better, but thank you for riding this wave. Um, I know for some of you that's TMI and for some of you, this is helping out. Um, so I appreciate you. Um, also May is endometriosis awareness month, if you didn't know, and I'm not 100% clear on the statistics, but I know black women and women of color globally experience endometriosis more than we like to talk about. And endometriosis is a medical condition that makes you have Um, uncomfortable and very heavy cycles and leads to other health complications too. And quite honestly, can also impact fertility as well. There's so many different things that could go on in um, people who identify as, or or people who are, how do you, how do you say this? People with a uterus, that's what you do. People with, because I really don't want to be a jerk. Like it's 2022. Come on. Anyway, um, People with a uterus, man, there's so many different things that can lead to infertility. Anyway, I could, I could write a book. Well, maybe I couldn't write a book. There are books out there. It has nothing to do with how big you are, what shape, you know, how good in shape you are in. Like when I go into the fertility office, when I'm for my appointments, I see people who could clearly be like those gym rats or those fitness models. I see people who are in their 20s. I see people who are my age and I see people who are a little bit older. It's it's all kinds. I'm talking about everything cuz you're every 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 person with a uterus's body is different. 
every single one of us. And so some of the things that can, that can impact fertility is, um, one of the things is endometriosis and that diagnosis. And so do yourself a favor. Um, if you're in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area, um, I'm not calling it the DMV because if you call it the DMV, you're only talking about a very specific mile radius around D.C. And so I'm not talking about that. I'm literally talking about Virginia, the state, D.C., the not a state, but a state, um, and Maryland, Baltimore, what have you, too, that works. Um, Google Indo Black. I'm going to put them in the show notes. You should probably be able to see them in the show notes right now. Um, Indo Black, E-N-D-O-B-L-A-C-K. Uh, I think it's dot com. Dot com or dot org. I can't call it. But anyway, it's in the show notes. Um, they are a wonderful organization. A young um, person named uh, Lauren Cornergay um, created the created the org- or established the organization. She's the founder and CEO. Um, she herself is living with endometriosis. Um, and it, it has made it her life's mission, um, to educate folks. And if you're not in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area, and you can't, you know, rightly benefit from the, the work her organization is doing, do yourself a favor and Google, um, endometriosis support organizations in your area. Again, this is a global thing that largely impacts women of color, specifically black women in the United States, Black women, the, there's a different there's a different nuance as to why we are impacted greatly. Well, not necessarily. We just don't talk about it um, enough. We don't talk. I think, in generally speaking, let's be for real, we don't talk about it enough. Um, but specifically, you know, it's protect black women at all costs for me. So, you know, I'm focused on black women. But at the end of the day endometriosis is impacting women globally and we need to address it. Um, and so do yourself a favor, Google it, um, and learn more about it and support your local organization. Also get your, the teenagers in your life to start having those conversations. Um, the, uh, the teenagers, anybody with a uterus in your life, either a teenager, middle adults, young adults, what have you get them talking about this because sometimes it's not just a heavy cycle. Sometimes it's, a, it's, a, it's indicative of something else um, and that needs medical attention. If every time your cycle comes, um, comes and your teenager has to be in the bed for, for at least the first couple of days of their um, cycle, that's not, that's not normal. Every cycle, that's not normal. If you yourself have to check out of... Um, I have to have to check out a society for a couple of days or at least a day because the cramping is so is so bad that could be an that could be a sign of endometriosis and you should or fibroids it you just it's a sign that you need to get it checked out that's not if it if that's ha- if that happens every time like it's a ritual it could be endometriosis it could be you just go that's a key sign that you need to go and speak to someone because it's one off. You know what I mean? Like, oh my goodness, this is just a bad month. I'm just, oh, I just, you know, I'm sick and I'm having my cycle and I just don't feel well and I just need to check out. That that's normal. But to plan every single time you have a cycle to have a day off because it is just the absolute worst. Not to mention that it's heavy. 
and too heavy for you to be able to um, manage in public or like at work, that's a key indication that you should probably go talk to somebody. All right. Um, So, yeah, take care of yourself. Like I said, I will have Indo Black's website in the show notes. Um, Yeah, let's start. Let's start helping each other out. If we let's really be about this community thing. Right. So educate the people in your community, in your in your little community. I'm not just talking about where you live. I'm literally talking about your sphere of influence, people you invite into your lives and who've invited you into their life. Let's start educating them. Um, let's start educating ourselves, to be honest with you, because if we know and we have folks that are looking at us, then they can know as well. You know what I mean? Ask us those tough questions. You can be if you already are that that relative that teenagers come to 20s, early 20 somethings come to because they know that you will be you won't judge them. You owe it to them to be as educated as possible and stuff like this. Um so that they can, so that they can turn around and be helpful to somebody in their sphere of influence. So anyway, enough about that. Anyway, um, so everybody, let me just switch gears again, because I, there's a lot to talk about. So also we, what we know is that, um, Russia is still at war. I don't even, can do, is this a war or is this a conflict? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you if this is I don't know what constitutes a war and a conflict. But what we know is that Russia is being aggressive. Uh, Russia is being aggressive towards the Ukraine. And they're actually aggressive is, is a not a very strong word. It's they've begun for over a week now. Um like engaging in warfare. So I guess it is like, again, I don't know what constitutes a war versus a conflict, but um, what we know is that a lot of people are in danger. A lot of people have lost their lives. We know that through TikTok, a lot of uh, black folks who were in the Ukraine for for study um, had a heck of a time getting out of there and and still are having a heck of a time getting out of there. No matter what folks tell you, there's still reports that black folks, and I'm saying black folks universally, black, you, you black, if you from an African, you black, you like, if you black, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about Americans. I'm talking about black people globally. There are some black people from different countries that went to the Ukraine to, oh, that was so country how I said that, the Ukraine. Um, to study and are were or are stuck um, trying to get out. And so we pray that they can get out. If you know any organizations that, um, yeah, if, actually, if you know any organizations that are supporting these people, uh, these black folks getting out of the Ukraine, let me know about them because I don't think I've found too many organizations. I've seen people, but I'm hesitant to, I don't want to be gooped. You know what I mean? So if you know of any organizations that are legit, or at the very least, I can look it up myself, um, that might be helping these black folks get out of the Ukraine. Can you share that with me? Because I really do want to support them. Um, 
because we know that there are still black folks in the Ukraine right now who've been trying to get out. Um, there are a bunch of foreign nationals in the United, in the Ukraine that have been trying to get out, but I'm, you know, you know me, I'm focused on the black ones. Um, for obvious reasons, because not too much media attention is getting on it. Um, or the attention, anyway, I'm not even going, I'm not even going to dignify that. But what I really want to talk about in this whole case, because everybody is aware of what's happening and, you know, everybody has in their bios the flags for the Ukraine. Some, uh, uh, that's not my argument. Like, I, I just, it's wild to me that, that, it's wild to me that this is even happening. But then again, last year it was wild to me that the Haitian president was able to be, they were able to assassinate the Haitian president. So I guess it's not that wild, especially if you're paying attention to what's going on behind the scenes. And then also if we're, if we're listening, if what other people have been saying about um, Russian aggression towards the Ukraine is true, Putin has been planning to flex on the Ukraine for a little bit now. And we've all had the, we as in, um, countries globally have had the signs for a little bit. But what I want to talk about is something I saw on TikTok and I looked at it and I kind of just, I looked at it and I gave it maybe a minute's worth of pause and then I moved on. And I know at this point, multiple news outlets have taken this up. At this point, I'm quite sure you've seen it on, if you're not on TikTok, I'm quite, it's, I'm quite sure it has made it to uh, Twitter, to Facebook, to IG, um, any other social media platform that I might be missing. I'm quite sure it's made it there at this point, but I remember seeing it on my For You page on TikTok. And it was this, I think he's a nurse practitioner. I can't call where he's out of, but he's a US-based nurse practitioner who used a clip of Vladimir Putin shaking somebody's hand, some European dignitary's hand in some grand ball room or something like that. So it was literally just Putin and this other person in this, what looks to be a very large room and so they were the focus. And, and it was like a, it wasn't necessarily a tight shot on the face, but it was a tight shot of, no, it was like a wide angle, sort of wide angle shot of Putin and the other person that he was greeting. And the, the person that I'm referring to, and I cannot, I apologize. I cannot remember this person's name, the TikTokers, the TikToker, TikTok creatives name, whatever. I'm, I think I'm doing too much. The, the creatives name. Um, but basically the way the, the creator slowed down the interaction. First, the creator showed the interaction in real time and then either slowed it down or kept replaying it. And as you were watching the replay was bringing your attention to certain movements that Vladimir made, Vladimir Putin made. And as he was speaking, you, you were drawn to the fact that some of his movements were jerky, like not uh, you're a jerk, but like he was jerking when he was. So, uh, so the scene is he's, he's extending his arm and hand and a leg in order to reach the person that he's greeting. He's essentially walking, taking a few steps to walk to the person that he's greeting. Right. 
But in doing those motions, it feels stilted. It feels jerky. It doesn't feel fluid and natural. And the creator is saying why that is. And in essence, and this is why I gave it about a minute's thought and then I moved on. He basically diagnosed um, Vladimir Putin as living with a, a form of Parkinson's. Um, yep, a form of a form of Parkinson's, a form of Parkinson's that also impacted the memory, the the mind, the memory, basically. And in essence, his diagnosis. And again, he was very clear. Well, not again, but he was very clear to repeat. I think the clip was like a minute. It was like a minute clip. You know how uh, TikTok clips are. They're the the minute long ones, anything longer than a minute, unless it's like salacious, does not really get floated up. Um, so I believe that this was a minute long. Uh, yeah, yeah. Three minute long things don't get put on your for you page. It's a minute or less that gets put on your for for you page. So this had to have been a minute. And in that minute, he repeated the, the that clip, the video, the visual several times. But he in saying that he's not a clinician, so he can't diagnose, but these are the symptoms of what I have observed in some of the patients that I see who are living with that diagnosis. And in saying this particular diagnosis, again, it's something like, it's something like a memory issue. I don't, I dare not say that it's dementia, but it's something like a memory issue, but then also, um, Parkinson's. And it's the, it's the jerkiness that, that the jerkiness initially caught me as odd, especially as it related to his phrasing of, um, well, I don't even know if they identify as he, but the creator's phrasing of Parkinson's, you know, saying Parkinson's and I'm like, oh yeah, I know what Parkinson's looks like because we all have prime examples. Like we have celebrity examples of folks living with, um, Parkinson's. We had, um, Muhammad Ali, who lived with Parkinson's. We also had, um, we also have Michael J. Fox, who's living with Parkinson's, not to mention anybody you personally know. Um, and those are just U.S. famous people. Um, I think actually Michael J. Fox ended up being a spokesperson for, um, uh, Parkinson's awareness. So maybe he is known globally for his advocacy work, but, um, everybody knows that Muhammad Ali lived with, um, Parkinson's at the end of his life. He, yeah, he lived with Parkinson's at the end of his life. And so I would think out of the two, most people, and maybe I'm naive, but I would think most people would know, would identify, um, Muhammad Ali as, as living with Parkinson's anyway. So I I say all that to say many people have kind of seen what Parkinson's can, how Parkinson's, um, symptoms can kind of manifest. And so it's a little bit like uncontrolled hand movements, uncontrolled body, uncontrolled body movements, like, you know, involuntary, not uncontrolled. Cause I, I dare, I do think with medication and also I think them just can't, I don't know if they can do anything about it, but like definitely medication can minimize the movements, but everybody, if you could Google those two figures, you can kind of see some hallmark signs for Parkinson's. And so when he said the phrase, I was looking at, um, one of the repeats and yeah, Putin looked, did look kind of jerky. His leg and his arm looked kind of jerky. 
And I'm like, well, I mean, that could just be a coincidence. And then he said the other piece like dementia or whatever. Um, Or I don't think he, excuse me, I don't think he rightly said dementia, but dementia is the thing that came to my mind because I guess what he, whatever diagnosis he was talking about um, or dual diagnosis he was talking about, yeah, yeah, companion diagnosis he was talking, diagnosis he was talking about, it gave, it brought to mind dementia to me and memory loss. Um, but the other, I, I guess more importantly, what he said about this condition was two things. So that Vladimir Putin might be living with the condition. And then the second thing is people who are living with this condition in my professional experience are really great at hiding that they're living with this condition, especially the memory part. They are really great at hiding that they don't understand what you're saying. They're really great at hiding that they know what's going on. And then he went on, it, I guess he was, went, stopped short of like slander, right? Um, which could like get you in some legal trouble. But he alluded to the idea that, and certainly if you were in his comment section at all, commenters alluded to the fact that they could be acting like everything is Jake and be going through turmoil inside and then make some decisions that are wholly erratic <coughs> and dangerous <coughs> and they're perpetrating so well that you don't know anything is wrong with them so all you know is this is how they this is what they really think this is what they really want but in actuality they are just perpetrating a fraud and this is not what they really want because they're not in their they're not in their right mind. It was very fascinating to me, but I, I only entertained the entire discussion for about a minute after I watched it. I must have watched it like three or four times, if I'm honest. And then I stopped entertaining it because you want to be careful in moments like this. You want to be careful not to give the villain... Um. No, I'm, I'm going to say what I mean. I don't want to give the villain an out and a mental health condition or a, a, a brain disorder or, or a deteriorating health condition is not an excuse for you to commit genocide. Well, I don't even know if it's genocide, what's happening here, but like acts of war. If I understand what what's happening here, Russia is trying to annex Ukraine. They want the Ukraine for some reason that I don't know. And if memory serves, didn't they try to do this less than a decade ago? Was it five years ago? They tried to do the same thing. And so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that probably intelligence uh, communities knew that Putin was going to try to do this again. So regardless of whether or not he's living with a mental health condition, well, living with a, de- a degenerative health de- condition or not, he wasn't living with, he was probably not living with it five years ago. You know what I mean? When this happened the first time, because he's been prime minister or whatever, the equivalent of their president um, for of Russia for 20 years. So like, I, I just, it's, I, and I don't like when people use health conditions as an excuse for bad behavior. 
because if that were the case, that that it 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 cut it cuts both both ways then. So then, if you're saying that medical conditions excuse the behavior of bad people, then medical conditions in that same vein, medical conditions can preclude someone who is otherwise very capable of doing a job because they're living with a mental health or they're living with that. You know what I mean? Like go with me. You can appreciate that logic. You can appreciate that logic. I just, I don't buy it. It sounds interesting. And that's the same thing that they did with um, Trump. It sounds interesting. It, it, there might be a modicum of truth to it, but I don't think that it's worth I, I think it's a dangerous conversation to have. Again, I work in, I work in mental health and have done for the past six years. And I have seen stigma alone is dangerous. The things that I have heard from people who, I have heard a lawyer say, I will never tell my colleagues who I, a lawyer literally um, wanting to volunteer to, for one of, for my organization flat out said, I will never share this information or I will never share with my colleagues that I'm living with a mental health condition. They outright like a, like a halt, like one of the things, if you're going to volunteer with my organization, you have to identify, you don't have to tell your whole story, but you have to either be a caregiver, depending on what you want to do, you have to be a caregiver of someone living with a mental health condition, or you have to identify as living with a mental health diagnosis yourself. Now, there are other ways that you can volunteer with my organization where you don't have to have a lived experience. That's what I mean. You, you have to identify as having a lived experience and to a certain degree, you have to be able to share what that experience is. Now you tell as much as you wanna tell, that's your business, but you, you, you have to have that experience to qualify to then volunteer for some of the work that we're trying to do. Um, and at the very least, you have to have a passion for ending the stigma about talking about mental health and seeking treatment for it and educating yourself about it. And so anyway, so this lawyer who identified as living with a mental health condition, had a diagnosis, was living well, um, still being able to function in a high powered, high pressure situations, getting paid buku dollars. I mean, buku dollars, baby. Um, like l- looked wonderful and was eager to turn around and help, had been living well with um, his medication, or his, his diagnosis, he had medication, he was in talk therapy and had been living well for, I think, living well with his condition for at least two years and was at the point where he wanted to turn around and give back. But I guess I don't think, I don't think he understood what giving back the way that he told me he wanted to give back what that would mean until he, we had the discussion about it. And he, he signed up for one of those opportunities that could put him in front of a colleague, could, could out him, as it were, to colleagues or, yeah, yeah, to colleagues in his community. And so he finished the interview for me, like, but it was clear. I could tell that his demeanor had changed. And so he was gung-ho and excited to turn around and give back and help as he had been helped in the very beginning. And he ended it by, we ended our time together saying, you know what, I still really believe in the work that you guys are doing. I'm going to donate and not volunteer. And of course, he never came back to do any training 
and didn't volunteer a lick with us, just gave us money, which that is his right to do. But stigma will do a number on you. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is that the stigma about living with a mental health condition, it cuts you deep and could have far reaching consequences or impact even in, even today. And so if I don't accept stigma in that context, then I also don't accept it when somebody's being a, a, a committing war crimes or, or I don't even know if that is the right terminology for what Putin is doing. Whatever he's doing, like if you are being a supervillain, because Putin feels like a supervillain at this point, like you living with a mental health condition does not rationalize that behavior. That's not the reason why you're doing it. And again, it could be that whatever this pseudo well, not pseudo diagnosis, but this non diagnosis diagnosis, um, he could be living with it, right? And he could have been living with it five years ago or the first time that under his leadership, the Ukraine um, tried to usurp or tried to annex um, or Russia tried to annex the Ukraine. But like what we know, what we know about Vladimir Putin is that he's been making some devious moves since the jump, since before he was prime minister or the equivalent to the president. So again, I'm not buying it. Your medical condition does not make you a villain. It, it's something you're living with as you are realizing who you truly are, in my opinion, especially in this case. Anyway, I just thought that that was fascinating. I don't know if you had stumbled across it. If you do stumble across it, like really examine what you think about that. Because again, we are so quick. We did it to Trump. We do it to anybody. Lindsey Graham um, was the guy from Kentucky. Mitch McConnell. Is he from Kentucky? Yeah. Um, we do it with global leaders. I'm saying global because I'm in the United States, but we do it with, with leaders in the UK. I've heard people talk about Boris, Boris Johnson, <clears throat> Prime Minister Boris Johnson, like he was living with a medical, like a mental health condition. Like, that's a, that's, that's a punk way out, honestly. And that doesn't, if anything, that just excuses, nope, it excuses bad behavior. And these people are in their right mind. I do believe these people are in their right mind. They might be living with a mental, a medical condition. It's true. Cause I'm not a doctor. I'm not a clinician. But they are responsible for their actions in leadership. They know what they're doing. The people around them know what they, they're doing. And they're choosing to listen to them. So that has a consequence. So anyway, um, yeah. I just, you know, we're watching this thing and, and we'll see how this goes. I don't know how long, and I should probably, I, at this point I could have looked, but I have not. Um, don't know how long the the conflict lasted the last time when Russia tried to annex the Ukraine, wondering when it's going to all end now. Um, everybody was shocked 
that Switzerland came out as not neutral, a, a you know, a notoriously neutral country came out uh, against Russia, which I'm told is a very big deal because that means that some other things are afoot here. Um, so anyway, I imagine we'll learn more about what's going on and, and hopefully there'll be an end soon and, and the people of Ukraine can resume or begin to pick up the pieces of their lives and mourn the, the, those that have, were lost and, and uh, foreign nationals can be returned and re- reunited safely with their families. Um, and this doesn't have to go any further. And certainly Russian individuals who've been drawn into this um, can go home to their families as well. Because what we know is that war is not just about one big bad guy against one, uh, against one big good guy. It's more nuanced than that. And plenty of unwilling participants get dragged into military action all the time. So anyway, enough about that. Are you watching The Gilded Age? Are you? Because if you're not, you really do need to. It is fascinating. Fascinating. It's like a soap opera. To me, it's like a soap opera. It's like, it's like, it's like a, it's like a soap opera and like a, like you can imagine like a, um, a reality TV show. Like, but like said in the 1900s, um, it's interesting and also vapid and also kind of unnecessary, but then also very intriguing and also frustrating and also kind of cool. Um, especially when you consider like, oh, the United States is a wild place, right? Always has been. New York has been particularly interesting. New York is one of the few places in the United States that for hundreds of years, black folks have been able to find a little corner and call their own and thrive. Harlem is one of the oldest communities, black communities in the United States. And yeah, like it's, it's, it's fascinating to see two things that black wealth survive even in the midst of racism and segregation. And also a woman, a black woman, a brown skin, black woman being in news, uh, being a reporter, showing her as a reporter, which is true to the time. Like, and, and I'm not saying that brown skin reporters, I'm literally saying it's refreshing to see a brown skin woman in a very high profile network TV show when these days it feels like people prefer to have a lighter skin woman as the representation for black women when we come in so many different shades and colors. Um, and so to have her and her family show different variations, different ranges of brown, I thought was pretty cool. Um, but then also the fact that she's a, she's a reporter and showing her being a news reporter and being supported 
in the 1900s is indicative of reality. Um, But yeah, it's cool to see that on TV. Um, It's also interesting to see how some of these... So if you guys have watched The Real Housewives of New York, you know that... um, What's her name? Something Morgan. I cannot remember her name, but she's divorced from someone whose last name is Morgan, who's of the JP Morgan banking family money, right? Anyway, she refuses to change her name because she is in the blue book that very important. She doesn't want to give up the status that is a that is attached to her last name. Um and it's so interesting because that name is referenced in the Gilded Age. And it's so interesting that you a person would cling on to a name for name recognition and status today that probably back at the turn of the century, the matriarchs and patriarchs of that, that uh, family were trying to establish themselves and they were probably on the outs of, um, you know, they were probably on the outs of popular society, high society. And so it's just interesting to see, in this case, established families and why they thought that they were elite and those who wanted to be a part of the elite. Um, It's interesting. It's interesting to see. It's fascinating and well acted in many spaces too. So if you're not watching it, you really should be. So I'll probably talk about it more um, next week because we are nearing the, I think next, this, this coming Sunday, or is it Monday? This week is the penultimate episode. And then the week after this season is concluded. Um, it's already been renewed. So probably next week I'll talk about, I'll talk more about it. Um, but anyway, today, what I, uh, what I do want to do is talk about the Batman. Um, and I'm not going to bore you to tears about everything that happens. It's pretty formulaic what, you know, beginning, middle and end, but there's a whole lot of nuance to this one, to this, this Batman that, dare I say it, spoiler alert, makes me like this Batman better than any Batman I've ever liked. So tell you more about it. I'll do the particulars. Um, when I come back, I'll do the, I'll talk about the particulars, um, who's in it for the most part, give a general overview. I'm not going to spoil the thing, give a general overview of it. And then just kind of give you my thoughts on Robert Pattinson's version of Batman. So stay tuned. Okay, I have talked a lot, so let me try to make this brief. So, The Batman um, released released March 4th of this year. I watched it with my hubby. Actually, it was my hubby, his, uh, and two of of his brothers and their um, wives. So, my sister-in-laws and um, two of my... um, one of my nieces and one of my nephews. Um, it was like a whole production. Anyway, it was so fun. Um, it We saw it on the 5th, um, but it was released on March 4th. Um, it is has a runtime of two hours and 56 minutes, 
which I don't think I realized because it was action-packed, but fun fact, I did fall asleep at one point. Say more about it later, but yeah, I did. Um, I mean, and now I know why, it was three hours. So of course I fell asleep at some point, come on. Anyway, um, directed by Matt Reeves, I don't know who he is, but if that means something to you, okay. Um, Music by Michael Giacchino, which he deserves the money that he was paid for it, probably a little bit more because he did a good job. Um, It stars Robert Pattinson as Batman, and I had a 20-minute... I love one... There's one one niece in particular is very close to my heart. All of my nieces and nephews I do love. I do. One of them in particular, she's pretty close to my heart because she reminds me of me in a lot of ways when I was a child. And anyway, bless her heart, this, this poor, confused teenage girl tried to convince me that... Robert Pattinson's character in Twilight was cuter than that brown boy, that Native American boy, that indigenous boy. You, uh, uh-uh. you pale versus melanin and and shape. No, what? I, she's so misguided. I got a lot of work to do. Her and her, but her mama was back in. Her, I said, Mm-mm. first off, I got a lot of problems with the storyline of of. of Never mind. I don't. We're talking about the Batman. I just want to say that there are some. I take up. It's it's sketchy. That two men would be fighting over the same woman. The woman marries one, has a child with the other one, and then one of her love interests is now betrothed to the child of her child. No, that we'll unpack later. But that is not okay. Anyway, just 20 minutes after that three-hour film, because we stayed for the credits because somebody told us to, and I feel like a fool for it. But anyway, so, um, but it stars, let me get back to the point. So Robert Pattinson Pattinson as Batman, Zoe Kravis, um, Lisa Bonet daughter, Lisa Bonet and and Lenny Kravis daughter, um, as Selena Kyle, but she's an actor, actor and musician in her own right so I should stop saying that anyway um Paul Dano as Riddler I don't even know who that person is um but he did a good job as Riddler uh Colin Farrell as Penguin did a really fantastic job as Penguin when you consider they made him look like a completely different person um and I liked it I liked it and the way the movie ended there's more to come here I don't know if I'm gonna watch it but like he did a really good job Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon, which I thought was a good fit. Um, Andy Serkis as Alfred Pennyworth. Anybody else worth mentioning? Just for for giggles, Jamie uh, Lawson as Bella Real, who is a political figure, who she just looks pretty in the film. And so I was like, put her in there. Um, And some other people. Yep. But I'm going to mainly stick to Patterson, um, uh, Batman, Selena Kyle. Actually, I'm mostly going to be talking. Yeah, I'm mostly going to talk about Batman and Selena Kyle. I might throw in the Riddler. I might throw in Penguin and Gordon. I might. But um, yeah, so those are the people that that are. Oh, John Turturro. Shoot. Why isn't John Turturro 
no. John Tatora, I like John Tatora actually. He's pretty cool. John Tatora played in all those Spike Lee films. I think he's from Brooklyn. <gasps> he's not mentioned. Ooh, y'all are trash for that. Y'all are trash for that. Why you got all these white people lip mentioned here and you don't have John Tatoro up here? Come on. That's messed up. Mm-mm-mm. Shame on y'all. Anyway, John Tatoro plays um, somebody very pivotal. I don't think I want to give it away, though. Google it. I won't give it away. Um, but anyway, let me let me go through it. So it's the Batman story. Okay. Like, you know, it's the Batman story that you, that you know and love. So, um, but it's like a twist to it. It, it feels to me a little bit in the fantasy world. It's a little bit more real. Whereas all the other Batmans in the, as long as we can remember, feels a very, very detached. This feels a little bit more grounded in reality, even though it's still, a villain, a superhero movie. Um, okay, and so let me just read the synopsis. So Batman ventures into Gotham City's underworld when a sadistic killer leaves behind a trail of cryptic clues. As the evidence begins to lead closer to home and the scale of the perpetrator's plan becomes clear, he must forge new relationships, unmask the culprit, and bring justice to the abuse of power and corruption that has long plagued the metropolis. Okay, so that is, that's a lot of words to say a whole lot of nothing. So you know what it is. Batman is a fighter for justice. He's a crime fighter. And so what is he doing in this movie? This three-hour movie, if not chasing a bad guy, a quote-unquote bad guy, and follow and trying to thwart him as his plan unveils. And it unveils in fantastic ways, and there's lots of twists and turns. I guess this synopsis kind of alludes to that, but the twists and turns are pretty dramatic. Um, and some of them you actually see coming. If you know anything about the story of Batman, you can kind of, especially if you're thinking about if this were to happen in, re- in real life, the Waynes wouldn't be all good. Batman wouldn't be all great either. Batman himself witnessed the execution of his parents at a young age. His ACEs score is through the roof. So money, money ain't got nothing to do with the fact that this person still has uh, an ACEs score out, out of just high in the sky. And so this film really kind of, and, and Pattinson's portrayal of Batman does a really good job of kind of playing out what it really might be like to be Bruce Wayne if you were one of the richest people in the, in a major metropolitan city but witnessed the murder of your parents. And now you're in your late 20s, early 30s still trying to deal with that trauma but you never really went to counseling. That's what it is in a nutshell. Again, you know what Batman does. Batman beats up people. Batman beats up bad guys. Well, there's a real cost to that. And I think I liked this film for nothing else. It's, it's not like you as a comic book reader and watcher, you might love it for a totally different reason as to what I like it for. I like this film because of Batman's real portrayal. This person has issues. You know he do. 
Because anybody would. Anybody would. Having experienced trauma like that at an early age, anybody would. And so anyway, so, so we see a bad man that is, is physically experiencing, is living through his life with untreated trauma and how he, what he cares about, what he doesn't care about. And we see a new take on, how can I describe it? He responds, and this is not giving it away. So if you had unlimited money and you turned yourself into a crime fighter and you had untreated trauma that you were dealing with, how easy would it be for you to take out your frustrated fr- frustration on the people that you deem bad guys? How easy would that be? And again, before you say, didn't we come to this a little bit with Bane and Christian Bale's version of... Um, of Batman? No, not really, because even Bane felt very much like a, a fake anarchist. The, all the Batman, if you come on, like remember, these comic books were written back in the 40s and 50s um, when they were really propaganda. In a lot of ways, there was propaganda thrown in there. They, they weren't intentionally propaganda, but there was all the very clear lines between who was a good guy and who was a bad guy. And if you were deviant in any way, you were considered deviant, meaning that if you balked against the status quo, you were um, a bad guy, right? You were considered to be a bad guy because you were, you were stopping the average person from, from making their money so that they can buy their food, right? Or go to work or what have you, because everybody just wants to get up and go to work and make a living for their family, go home to their family, go home to their castle and build up their kingdom, Right. That's kind of the image that these comic books are kind of portraying. And then when you get to Gotham, Gotham is a place that has lost its moral compass. And, you know, rich folks should be able to live a rich life, but so should poor people too. And now they're all victims. Somehow or another, the rich and the poor are equally victims to the madness uh, and the mayhem that is Gotham. And the only person that can bring some semblance of order, although it's an uphill battle, it's, uh, it's, is Batman. That's the only person who scarred, but is tough enough to clean up the city as if, but anyway. And so, yeah, so, uh, you know, the, the Bane and uh, smarter people than me have articulated, you know, the ways in which Bane's character, um, kind of fills this socio, mm, Talks about anarchy. How about that? Joker, ob- obviously, um, Bat- one of Batman's longest running villains is an anarchist himself. And we know the Joker film with uh, Joaquin, Phillip- Joaquin Phoenix, his version of it explored that as well and chaos and all of that. Um, and mental health. And for these days, especially in modern days, you can't talk about Joker without also talking about PTSD and mental health and, and living with um, severe mental health conditions and, and all of that stuff and, and, and manipulation and, and things like that. Like you can't not talk about mental health when you're talking about um, Joker, but like I don't think any of the Batman series, even the one I love so much, and there have been so many, but the movie franchise of the, of the movies that I've seen, the one that I love the most 
is, I can't, was it 1990? The one with, um, oh, his name is gone. He played Beetlejuice, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton is Batman. John uh, Nicholson. Nicholas. Jack Nicholas. No, Jack Nicholson. The one that isn't the golfer played the Joker. That was my bet. That was my that was my favorite movie because of their portrayals of Batman and Joker. Pretty doggone close. Batman was still a pretty playboy, but like he also was a little bit grittier, just a little bit, not much, but a little. And the Joker, to me, the Joker was just like, well, it's what it is. I'm going to be just as bad as I want to be. And it's what it is. And I'm going to have fun doing it too. And I thought, I just, I appreciated their acting chops because I think they did a good job. Plus, I had always been a fan of Michael Keaton because he did a heck of a job as Beetlejuice. Like, you talk about somebody that bodied a character, he bodied Beetlejuice. And I think Jack Jack Nicholas, Jack Nicholson, Jack, um, bodied the Joker, completely bodied the Joker. Not to mention, I, I loved the color palette. Um, anyway, everybody else, I could take it or leave it. But the, even though I love Val Kilmer, I didn't even too much love that film. I just love Val Kilmer as Batman, but the movie, nah, for what? Mm-mm. It didn't tell me anything different. It didn't show me anything different. And even, even the one with Christian Bale, nope. The one with George Clooney, absolutely not. I, could, I think we all agree that that was not Batman, the Batman fr- franchise's best and most shining moment. Um, and I'm gonna be honest with you, Ben Affleck, I'm over it. Because again, you are rich, super rich, and you're not showing me a reason to, to feel sorry for you, that you get beat up. You literally run to fights. I don't feel sorry for you for running to fights. So give me a reason to feel sorry for you. Give me a reason to have some compassion for you, rich billionaire white man. And Robert Pattinson's version of Batman does that, I think, for, for me. I think he gives us a reason because he acts into the fact he acts as if he's a rich person that's never he acts as an adult that's never dealt with their trauma and you we all know we all know somebody we all know an adult who has untreated trauma we don't have to be clinicians to figure that out we can know because they just respond to certain situations overly aggressively or they're just have a strong reaction to certain situations And we come to find out that it stems from something from childhood. And you can imagine, it's not so far-fetched that this man could make it into his 30s, have everything that he ever dreamed of, and still be woefully, completely, just completely unhappy. And destructive, too, because the element that is added here is we recognize how destructive Batman is. Batman is a destructive person. And he's literally changing people's lives. And I will dare say it because it's kind of true. He gets a thrill out of it. He gets a thrill out of the physical fight. Which if you were in a ring in a controlled environment and you just enjoyed combat, that's one thing. 
but we're not in a, in a controlled environment. We're out in the elements and nobody's there to stop him from pummeling someone in, uh, to death. And so that we come to the brink a couple of times with Batman about that. Um, other, the other piece here is, you know how in every other, and again, I don't know that this is a total spoiler, but you know that, um, you know how, you know how, um, in every film ever, every, at least in the modern versions of it, Wayne Enterprises does the, is this beacon of light on the hill that, um, does a whole lot of good. Even in the, the TV series, um, Batman, that, what is it? WB can't call it, but even in that TV series, um, the Wayne family is a beacon on the hill of, uh, for good. Right. And Martha and John, is it Martha and Thomas, Martha and Thomas Wayne were always seen as pillars in the community in this film, in this version of the Batman, in the Batman, there's nuance there. They're not wholly good. They're not wholly bad either. Um, there's some other things that are at play here. Again, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I liked this version because it doesn't feel clean anymore. And again, I'm about sick of hearing about a rich white man being playing vigilante. We got that in real life. All, shoot, all you need to do is, is tap in here to Baltimore and go back to that rich uh, white cup, uh, couple out of uh, Austin, Texas, who funded a whole spy uh, uh, program, a spy plane program that literally flew over Baltimore without Baltimoreans' consent, spying. Now, mind you, they thought that they were doing a good thing because they were trying to spot violent crime and try to help the police uh, attack it and, and approach it. I guess that was what their rationale was, but in the process violated the civil rights and the privacy of all of the citizens that were under the eye of that spy plane. And probably more than that, that's all, that's what I know. I, I can't tell you what else it did. That program that is no longer in existence. Well, that we know about, you know what I mean? So like, done with the story. I don't feel sorry for Batman. I have sympathy for Batman now because of this portrayal. Um, Selena Kyle, I don't really have anything new to report to for Selena Kyle. I think, I think it's wild to me that Zoe Kravitz had to quote unquote fight to be represented. Um, because initially she was considered to be too urban, which I think is very interesting because if anything, she feels She's like that version of a quote unquote exotic. Like some white folks don't know that she's, uh, she's black. Um, they just think she's, oh, she's just exotic. You know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, I don't doubt that her struggle isn't real. Cause like she has tattoos and, you know, while she's petite and pretty, like she doesn't look like the quote unquote girl next door. Um, she looks like a femme fatale because she's gorgeous, but I just think it's wild that she felt like there was pushback. She had to fight to get this role because, and it's a villain. It's a freaking villain. But like, you know, I don't think there's anything revolutionary about her character. They certainly didn't write her character to be like, they made it kind of seem like she might've been bi like, and that's the 
extra edge that they added to her character. But like Selena Kyle is Catwoman and we don't know more about her origin story and we don't feel even more sorry for her. If anything, we just think she's a bad girl and bad girl going to do what a bad girl going to do kind of thing, right? Um, Commissioner Gordon, we don't learn more about him, but Jeffrey Wright is awesome, so I'm glad he portrayed Gordon, and I hope that he portrays him. Obviously, there are going to be more films coming out. Um, Actually, yeah, I really don't like the, the... The characters are what they are. I think the most revolutionary one to me, or at least the portrayal, is is Patterson's version of Batman. Honestly, to me, that's what stuck out, stuck out to me. Because again, I'm about, and now mind you, the way I'm talking about this, you could tell that I'm about over the Batman franchise. But yeah, I really, the only reason why I went to go see this is because hubby wanted the family to go, or at least as many of the family members to go. He's got a lot of brothers. Um, got a lot of big, uh, got a big family. So um you know, I went out, I wasn't feeling my best. I had, I was still feeling, I was in the middle of still feeling what I was feeling from the, um, the egg retrieval. And so I was not, I ate exactly what I wasn't supposed to eat. I ate a bunch of popcorn and a big old thing of soda. And of course I immediately got sick when we left, uh, the, uh, the theater, but it's whatever. It was worth it because to have the popcorn I'm going to be honest with y'all. I have missed the popcorn, soda, and movie on a big screen feeling. Like, I've done it three times in this two and a half year period. This was the first time I, I went in a theater that was packed since before the pandemic. This is, this is the first time I've done that. And, you know, PCR tests and masks, I, you know, all of that stuff. But... It was a sight to see. It did not disappoint. It was dark, but it's Batman. Um, It's fun. It's three hours, but it doesn't feel like three hours. Now, now here's the deal. I fell asleep probably at the two hour and... No, no, no. I probably fell asleep at the three hour mark. I'm going to be honest with you. That's probably when I hit it. Um, because there was something happening and I was in that recliner chair, you know, at AMC or some of the theaters, they got these big old fat recliners and you push them back and you can get real nice and comfortable. Well, I was real nice and comfortable and I had had all my popcorn and I'd had my fill of my soda and you know, it was a lull in the action and I fell asleep. Um, but I woke up pretty promptly. Well, I don't know how promptly, but I woke up to see um, the rest of the film and my hubby filled me in on what that little piece that I missed when I took my little snooze fest but I don't think you're going to be like me I, I think you're going to be able to watch it beside the fact if you don't want to watch it in theaters guess what you can do if you have HBO Max or you know somebody that has HBO Max um, you're going to be able to watch it um, in April anyway so if you don't if you want to bypass the theaters do you boo boo it's cool you'll be alright bypass the theaters and watch it at home again I don't think it's going to disappoint you it's going to be full of action like you would expect a Batman film to be full of action full of suspense there is if you are so if you are a millennial who like strangely I love I've talked about my musical uh 
taste on this show that in the past, I first and foremost, blues and jazz are my first loves. And then anything that sounds like blues and jazz will touch me in my, my soul and I can vibe with it. Well, for some reason, Kurt Cobain did not feel like blues or jazz, but it felt when his acoustic version, some of the acoustic versions of some of his, actually no, some of his songs did feel like blues and jazz influenced because the drummer admitted, and I forget the name of the, of, of Kurt Cobain's, what was it? Sublime? No. Whatever. Kurt Cobain, whatever group he was in, grunge band he was in out of Seattle, the drummer for his band admitted that for Teen Spirit and for many other um, songs, but definitely for Teen Spirit, he stole the, uh, the drum riffs from the Gap Band, a funk band, a black funk band from the 70s. The, the dropped a bomb on me. Doom, 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 doom. Go listen to if you haven't caught it, if you haven't heard this by now, listen to Smells Like Teen Spirit by Kurt Cobain's band. I cannot remember the name of the band, but listen to Smells Like the, the first 30 seconds of Smells Like Teen Spirit and then listen to the first 45 seconds of Drop, You Dropped a Bomb on Me. No, no, the first minute of You Dropped a Bomb on Me. And tell me that's not the same. Uh, well, you don't have to tell me. It is the same um, uh, drummer rift because the drummer from Kurt Cobain's band said he lifted it from the Gap Band. And so that's probably why I was drawn to some of the songs that Kurt Cobain had. And again, I cannot remember why I cannot remember his. I don't know why I can't remember the name of the um, the group. But anyway, his I was something about his... Um, acoustic versions of his song I was drawn to. And anyway, Kurt Cobain is a featured artist in this film, which is why I say that the person who did the score um, should earn his pay and probably earn more than his pay and should probably be compensated for that. Um, but anyway, they, it was a good use of Kurt Cobain and his music. You know what I didn't do though? Let me circle back around right quick. So this film, the budget, it was 185 million, 185 to 200 million dollars, right? I didn't tell you that in the beginning. Um, and it has grossed, so far it has grossed, um, oh, it's money. So it, 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 the budget was 185 it's 185 to 200 million and then the box office so far is 301.3 million. So it earned its money back and it's still climbing obviously. Um that's so this is clearly a big budget film. Um it's got 8.5 out of 10 on IMDb, 86% fresh from Rotten Tomatoes and let me tell you what folks are saying. So it's 80% uh 86% fresh uh, on the tomato meter from 403 reviews. It's 89% fresh audience score, um, from 10,000 plus reviews. So people are, people are reviewing this bad boy. Um, critics consensus. It is, let me just read it. It is a gritty. Let me go back. It, it, um, a gritty, gritty and gripping super noir. 
The Batman ranks among the Dark Knight's bleakest and most thrillingly, thrillingly ambitious live action outings. That's what the critics consensus is. And the audience says it's long, but the Batman looks and sounds great. It's grounded. Take on Gotham is a solid fit for this caped crusader. I don't think it's long. You don't feel the nearly three hours to me. I don't, I didn't feel it. I, I, yeah, I didn't feel it. But then again, I did fall asleep. So maybe I did feel it, but I wasn't mad at it. Um, anyway, I think you'll enjoy it for realsies. I think you will, will enjoy it to <laughs> the consensus for the audience. It's grounded. And I think that's what I've been saying. It's more grounded, but I, I gave you detail as to why I felt it was more grounded, like truly rooted in something real in reality. Um, as a superhero comic book story goes, it's more rooted in reality than most these days. Um, and it's something enjoyable from a franchise you already know from a, yeah, from a, yeah, a franchise you already know. It's just an interesting take on it. We are introduced. Oop, never mind. I won't tell you that. Ooh, I was about to spoil something, but yeah, but I won't. Um, anyway. I will say this, there are elements in this movie that are reminiscent to other Batman films that you will appreciate. And I'll leave it at that. Films and also the show, but I'll leave it at that for you to watch it. Um, yeah, I don't, if I keep talking, I'm going to spoil some stuff. So I'm going to leave it at that. Go watch the film or wait to watch it when it comes on HBO Max, whatever makes the most sense for you. Um, use this as an opportunity to go watch the other Batmans and then be able to compare them. That's what I would do. Compare them to the Batmans that you know, uh, or compare them to this new Batman and see how they fare. Um, yeah, make a game out of it. You know what I mean? Shoot, write a, if you're looking for something to, 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 you know, you gotta, you gotta report you need to do or something like that. Use this as, as your guide to uh, ride on this. If you want a bond, if you want a bond, by the way, there was a lot of kids. There were a lot of kids in the theater. A lot of kids in the theater. It was very frustrating, I thought. Because why? You know what I mean? Like, why? And when I'm saying kids, I'm talking about eight and 10. And I don't think this movie was good for eight and 10 year olds, but what do I know? I'm not a parent. Anyway, um, so if you go into the theater, just know it's going to be packed. And you need to be okay with that. And also you might be sitting next to some children. Anyway, enough about that. I have talked enough. Please take care of yourself. Please, please, please take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself today. Take a break if you need it. Push yourself to keep going if you need it. But be kind to you today. You can do it. Or maybe it's time to walk away from that situation. Take a breath. Go get a snack. It's going to be okay tomorrow. All right. What you can't do, what you don't finish today, you'll be able to finish it tomorrow. The the sky ain't going to fall. Okay. All right, y'all. Well, that's it for today. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Until then, take care.